So a question was raised among the PAC members. How do you handle living with a partner who doesn't dream as big as you do? And it's something that got me thinking for weeks now. And today on the Weekly Walk podcast, Eric and I are going to dig into how that dynamic has arisen from time to time in the course of our relationship, how we've navigated it, and perhaps in there will be insights or ideas or maybe even advice on how you can navigate a partner who doesn't dream as big as you do. If that's your situation, or you want to hear about the time Eric accused me of trying to deny him his bliss, lace up your sneakers and let's get going. Hey, Joyce. Hey, Eric. Did I tell you about my dream the other night? No. I had the weirdest dream. I had a, I had a dream that we had a third child that was like a baby. And I sort of didn't even know we had it. It was it was almost like the Was it a hit, a girl or a boy? It was a baby boy. And it was Aww. almost like like that dream where you show up at class on the day of the final exam and you're not even sure you had the class. It was like we had this child and it was just Did very... he have a name? Isaac. <laughs> You dreamt we had a baby boy named Isaac? Is that the weirdest thing ever? I don't even know what that means. Have you ever had that dream? No. I once had a dream, not that many years ago, like when our kids were pretty grown. I had a dream that I was very, very, very pregnant. And in the dream, I was like lying in bed, rubbing my gigantic pregnant belly, thinking like, oh, no. <laughs> Oh no, I'm going to have to give birth to this baby and start the whole baby thing over again. But now I feel like, oh, a baby. A baby would be fun. <laughs> Maybe a grandbaby. But I think it was it was just weird and I think we have different dreams. No, we don't. We did. <laughs> <laughs> I have Big dreams. I have I have big dreams as well. So what are what are we talking about today? We're talking about dreams. Which kind of dreams? We're not talking about the kind of dreams you have when you sleep. No, <laughs> no, I was wrong. <laughs> no, that's that was not the topic. It was an interesting way to start. Okay, so we're talking about the other kind of dreams. The other kind of dreams, and it's so funny actually. Now that I stop and think about it, why in the world do we call dreams dreams? I understand why we call the dreams we have when we sleep dreams, but when we talk about having big dreams. As in goals and dreams. Yeah, as in desires for your life. Why do we call desires you have for your life dreams when dreams are what you have when you're asleep? I think we need a whole new word. Yeah, it's sort of like imagine, you know, create nope. goals. goals. Certainly they're goals and they're tied into that. But right, dreams is so ephemeral and so sort of like my dream, your dream, they can be weird and not so real. That's exactly my point. Dreams that we have when, we as when we're asleep are weird often, not real, 
fiction. They're fiction, and they typically, not always, but they typically, at least for me, involve my my brain and my subconscious trying to figure something out. So the dreams and the goals, the aspirations that we have for our lives, I, I'm thinking we got to stop calling them dreams. Aspirations is a good word. It's what we aspire to. Aspirations is a good word. All right. So when we say dreams, think aspirations, or we'll try to say aspirations. For, exactly. For this podcast and moving forward, actually. So the the specific question on the table, because it came from a PAC member, is what do you do when your partner's aspirations are not as big as yours? So it's something that I don't, I don't know that you and I necessarily wrestle with because I do feel like we're somewhat aligned, though I will say, historically, I have aspired bigger than you. It took a long time, I feel like, before I could sort of get your buy-in <laughs> on big, crazy, audacious ambitions. Mm-hmm. That's really hard not to use the word dreams. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Aspirations. So, yeah, I mean, that can certainly be a stressor on a relationship, right? I think it can be, but I do think that there are different sort of uh, ways that can manifest itself. I've been thinking a lot about this since it was raised by, by one of our PAC members, and I think one way it can manifest itself is if your partner is a dream killer. Oh, well, that's, yeah, that's that's almost a whole nother thing. It's one thing to have different dreams, but it's another thing to have, uh, be a dream killer. There, uh, years ago, I remember someone posted on social media referring to someone anonymous in their life that was sort of being a dream killer. And I went on a rant. Oh, saying, I remember this. Saying like, you know, leave this person in the dirt, get them out of your life. You don't need them. Thinking it was it was like a, a friend of hers. Turned out it was her husband. So basically, <laughs> I was like, leave your husband. You know, and th they stay together. They work it out. But I was like, oh, oh, maybe I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> yeah, I I was in a position years ago, so I, I don't know that the community really knows this, but I had what I affectionately call a starter marriage. And my ex was a total dream killer. Can I tell, I think you know the story, but can I tell you this, tell the story of the LA Law script? Do you know this story? Uh, well, I'll tell it again, because I, I don't really remember. So at the time I was practicing law in New York and dating myself, uh, it was the days of L.A. Law, which was a really fun, sappy, kind of soapy, kind of nighttime drama. And I watched it from the beginning, and I really knew the characters well. And my very dear friend was living in L.A. at the time, and I've always been a writer. That's always just been part of what I do. And she called me and she said, she was working as a talent agent, and she called me and she said, I can get a spec script to the team at LA Law. Why don't you write a spec script and I'll get it, I'll get it uh, submitted and see who knows. It's a big who knows. I said, how do I do that? She said, I'm going to send you some samples because there was no email. <laughs> 
She said, I'll send you some samples. And it's via carrier pigeon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and scripts are pretty formulaic. They have a very specific structure and format. So she sent me a couple and I was like, I can do this. And I went home and I said to my ex, I'm going to write a spec script for LA Law and Heidi's going to get it submitted. And he looked at me and literally said, what makes you think you know how to do that? Those are the kind of people that are very challenging to keep in your life. Uh, or not. <laughs> or just maybe move on. Well, I mean, if it is a partner, you know, it's not necessarily move on, right? We talk about ways to work through relationship challenges. So if your partner is a dream killer, I, I think that's a relationship point that you need to really work through. Maybe even your suggestion when we were kind of planning this is there are times when this can be a big enough question or a big enough issue that some professional help will help. Yeah, for sure. And just with anything, we're not psychologists, psychiatrists, but we play uh, one on TV. We play one in a podcast. Okay. So, <laughs> so and we mostly talk about our own stuff. Our own. Yeah. I think that's okay. Yeah. So yeah, professional help is can be a, a really good thing and help you and help your partner. Because I think I think people who are dream killers are probably and now it's totally stepping out of what I should be talking about, but it's what we do. I, I think that can be driven by some insecurity, that can be driven by some fear. Oh, 100%. If someone else is a dream killer, it's not about you. It's all about them. You know, I think in this case, it was about your ex's insecurity. Like, what if you got a script on L.A. Law? And, and got hired. Right. And, and then I could be a screenwriter. Or... And then I could move to L.A. And then my whole life would be different and fabulous. <laughs> exactly. And he would be left in the dust. So that was all about his insecurity. And he's probably, now that I'm looking back over the course of my life, I think his insecurity was probably well-founded because if all of that <laughs> happened, I probably would have left him in the dust. <laughs> well, that didn't, that didn't even happen and you left him in the dust. Truth. So. So what to do if your partner is a dream killer? That's really hard. Yeah. I, I think be open, be communicative call it out and and then probably possibly professional <laughs> <laughs> you hesitating you equivocating uh, yeah it, it's still probably if if you're uh, at those different ends of the spectrum and you really want to pursue your aspirations uh, you, you'll be better served with your partner's help and getting professional help to get them on board is probably the quickest and least painful route to get there. You know, I'm thinking about it, and certainly your partner's insecurity can be one of the things that drives uh, their tendency to be a dream killer. But I actually think there's another possibility to that that comes from more of a place of love. Hit me. I think that some people are dream killers because they don't want to see their partner who they love fail. 
Yeah, um, I can see that. I would, and this is this is me, psychopop babble time, but I would also see that again as part of a little bit of their insecurity and they don't want to experience that. You think they'll no. do it purely out of consideration for their partner? Uh, for sure. And what makes me think that is parents do this to their kids all the time. Oh, honey, that that's going to be really hard. Oh, uh, we've got friends whose son wants to be a professional chef. And she has told him for years, oh, that's that's so hard. Shouldn't you try something else? That's that's such a such a challenging path. I think people do that towards their children often out of love, out of they don't want to see their kids fail. They don't want to see their kids take on too much. I mean, my parents, my parents tell me all the time. Well, now my mom tells me all the time. Oh, you work so hard. You know, can't you do what can't you do something easier? Right. And I don't think she does that out of her insecure. I think that purely comes from a place of love. Yeah, I, I, I see that point. So in in deference to the potential dream killers out there, I mean, part of it may really come from a desire to protect you. Yeah. So it can come from love. All right. And if what if they're not a dream killer? What if, you know, what if their aspirations are just completely different and by different outlets for the sake of the conversation say smaller well i don't know like when we even say that how do you adjudicate the size of a dream what makes a dream big i guess in the way that it pushes or challenges you so it's sort of relative, it's very personal, and how it how much it gets you out of your comfort zone, how much you're going to have to work to achieve it, how difficult it is, A, in the grand scheme of things, and maybe B, for your particular skill set. I mean, if my, you know, a big dream for me could be to learn to play the guitar, I mean, that would be a really big dream because I'm not particularly musically inclined uh, i don't know that i have great sort of finger coordination or whatever <laughs> that would be a pretty ambitious uh aspiration for me you know you have raised that more than once i wonder if there's some part of you that actually wants to play the guitar and if you do honey i'll support you well this as is long as you don't practice <laughs> <laughs> this is one of those things that even going back to my childhood and I can, I'm pretty at peace with this, is yes, I want to play the guitar. No, I absolutely don't want to learn how to play the guitar. <laughs> <laughs> if I could just blink my eyes and play the guitar, I would do that in a heartbeat. I think it'd be super fun. But to spend hours like practicing and making my fingers hurt and putting out crummy music, you know, for a couple of years until I get a certain skill set. No desire. All right. I got to dial it back because I'm still thinking about this dream killer persona 
which makes them sound so awful. And you've you've come out pretty hard. Sorry, I'm, I am dialing it back, but we have oodles of time. Go go right ahead. Uh, you've come out pretty hard against dream killers, as have I. But I do think, as we talked about, dream uh, dream killing can come from a place of love. Dream killing can come from a place of insecurity, as you said. Like, if my partner achieves this dream, they will leave me. Mm-hmm. But there's also... A, a much smaller kind of cost that your partner will pay for you chasing big aspirations. Because one person in a relationship chasing a really big goal is going to take their time and take their attention. And if the other partner isn't on board, with, especially with that particular goal or aspiration or dream, there's going to be a a sacrifice. So here's a perfect example. You ready? Yes. Okay. It's a big one. Okay. You had a very big dream to compete at the CrossFit Games. I did. I was moderately supportive of that for many years. I was not all on board with that because, you ready? Yes. It was annoying as hell. (laughs) It took a ton of time away from our family. It took a ton of time away from our business. It took a ton of time away from us. It was certainly not a dream that we shared. For years, I was not even kind of welcome in the CrossFit gym. It was definitely not something we could do together for years. Um, And I was not so on board or supportive, not because I was a dream killer, not because I was afraid if you went to the CrossFit Games, you were going to leave me for some, you know, 28-year-old elite athlete. None of those things ever crossed my mind. It was just you pursuing that dream with all of the work it took really what resulted in a significant sacrifice for me, our family, and our business. And this is something that we've talked about, so it's not like this is the first time you're hearing that. But I do think when your partner, if you are the partner who has these big dreams and these big goals and these big aspirations, I think you really have to own the fact that chasing them is going to come at a, a sacrifice to other things. How about them apples? That is true. So the right, the dream killer could just want their share of you, so to speak. Well, I mean, there's that. There's it's not just want your share. I mean, there are like, and I and I don't mean to, this to become a Eric CrossFit bashing session. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> really. Um, you know, I, but it is providing a really good example because I think people look at you and I and think, well, they, they share goals and dreams and they share a business and they're on the same page. But you and I lived through this. You left a family vacation. You left me and the kids in Utah <laughs> to uh, come home to compete because you had performed better than you expected in a, in a kind of qualifying round and you just got up and left us on a family vacation so i i was tweaked about all of that on the one hand i really supported you and on the other hand 
I think I felt a little bit like you had no appreci- no real appreciation for the sacrifice that those around you make. So my point is only if you are chasing really big dreams, I think you really have to be sensitive to the fact that your partner uh, is going to sacrifice along with you for something that you want that they don't. And that's not always easy. How about that? How about that? What do you think? Uh, that's almost a mic drop. Should have saved that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I I hear all of that. And, uh, yeah, that that can be challenging on a relationship. So how do you work through that? Now, open communication, sharing the, uh, I think, importance of whatever your dream or aspiration is. And... You know, part of it is we only go around this life once. Maybe. <laughs> probably, uh, maybe, probably, but at least. Uh, How in the world do you know? Let's let's assume. Let's operate under that assumption. It's All right. Proven otherwise. I would rather. I would actually rather operate under the other assumption. Okay, you go. You go right ahead. Thank but, you. Uh, well, you might come back as. Uh, a uh, rhinoceros <laughs> in your next iteration. So anyway, you only a rhino- why in the why a rhinoceros? I don't. I went through like four different <laughs> animals, <laughs> and that was sort of the one that came out of my mouth. So I have no idea. I was trying. It was trying to be absurd, and that was definitely the most absurd animal I could think of for you. So anyway, the point being is. If that really is a dream and a, an aspiration and something that you want to achieve or accomplish or do, then share that with with your partner. And if if they don't share it, that's that's okay. And just continue on on your path, aware of how this is affecting others. But you know, go for it. I mean, it's like, of course, that's where you come out, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, but maybe not. I mean, you're sort of saying whatever your goal is, if it's your goal and your dream, do it irrespective of the sac- the potential sacrifice of others, no matter what it, no matter what that sacrifice looks like. I don't actually think that that's true. I mean, yeah. I suppose that's a little bit of why you and I are different and you went to the CrossFit Games and I didn't. Um, I, you know, this is sort of stuff that we talk about often. You are more willing to uh, pursue. And I, I wonder if this is a little bit of a guy-girl thing. Oh, maybe. Maybe. But, yeah, of, of course. Uh, I'm sure there are other dreams or aspirations that I may have that, I don't pursue because of the consequences of of what it would, you know, take on the family. I'll get just as an example: climbing Mount Everest. You know, that's somewhat of a dream. I thought that was not a dream. But it's not. I thought you. I thought that was not actually a dream. Well, even let's uh, Denali, Mount McKinley in Alaska. That one was a dream. That one was a dream, but the. Training, the 
financial financial the practice the risk climbs that i would have to put in and then the month off that it would take to do that um that is not something that i've been willing to do uh it was definitely on on the list but you're right that was you know i just looked at the uh, consequences the sacrifice all sacrifices all the things the right yeah, and said no you know and I know that actually if that was so important to me, uh, I believe that you would have supported me and, and helped make it happen if that was truly something that, that I had to do. I would have. I uh, wouldn't have liked it, but I would have. <laughs> <laughs> I know you would have. So, yeah. So I am not saying, you know, go out and capture every dream and every aspiration so it's a judgment it's something that you're going to have to examine and balance what dreams and, and aspirations that you do want to go after when you look at all the things we've sort of discussed and run through i also think that we, we talked briefly about the idea that communication is critical. And of course it is as in, as it is in pretty much all relationship things. But even this idea of big dreams versus small dreams sounds so pejorative, right? Like we as a society kind of look askance at people who don't have big dreams. But I'm trying to figure out exactly how to say what's in my mind. Maybe there's beauty in the contentment that comes with not chasing big dreams. Right? Like I talk about uh, my, my friend who declared last year that for herself, the hustle is canceled. <laughs> she was done hustling. She was ready to embrace a, a less hustly life. Yeah. And I, I do think that we kind of need to wrap our, our minds around the fact that that can be very beautiful. You know, I guess it's a walk through my exes. Like I had another ex who was just like the, pic, the pitch, picture of contentment. Totally low key, didn't have huge ambitions. And it's probably one of the reasons that our relationship didn't work because especially at the time, like, I just could not understand why he didn't want a bigger life, why he didn't want more travel, why he didn't want more adventure, why he didn't want more financial success. Uh, in retrospect, like, he was a really content, happy guy. <laughs> really? Oh, yeah. Tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know right? So I do think there's also the the big dreamer in the relationship, I think also has to really honor the smaller dreamer. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I've sort of been picturing the smaller dreamer as the guy sitting on the couch playing video, eating burrito, Doritos chips and snacking and you know, working sometimes. <laughs> well, that, and that's fair, right? Because our culture has taught us that if you're not a big dreamer, you're a sloth. But it's just not necessarily true. Right. Like, 
you know, your ex and, you know, had his path and, and was, was happy in it and comfortable and, and yeah. And I don't know, I don't know that he is or was or whatever happier than you and I, but I will tell you, he was more content than you and I. He was probably happier than me. <laughs> <laughs> so it all it also this idea kind of brings to mind my parents' friends, Fran and Al. How how so? So they hit a point in their life, and I don't know how old they were, but she loved to travel. My guess is they were in their 70s. I'm trying to think of kind of where we were that we had this conversation. We were sitting in my parents' house uh, when they had a, a townhouse near us, uh, and they were over, and she loves big, adventurous travel. And Alan was like, no, I'm done with that. I'm just not interested. Like, I've done it, and I'm not interested. And they had hit a place where they were super comfortable. She traveled with her girlfriends. And he didn't, and everybody was content. Separate vacations. You, you know, know what, what that, that means. <laughs> you better tell that story. Year, years ago, uh, when I was, I think, doing more climbing, I would go on a boys' climbing trip a couple times a year. Joyce was going on, like, girls' surf trips and yoga retreats and hiking retreats. And... Uh, my mother knew about all this, and my mother was telling one of her 70-something-year-old girlfriends about it. And the friend looked at her and said, oh, Pearl, I'm so sorry. And my mother said, what? And her friend said, separate vacations. You know what that means. Because <laughs> I guess in the, in the 70s and maybe the 80s, that would have meant that we were having a we were having flings and dalliances and we were we, not we were not we were we were just doing different activities with different people that we liked and actually i think that's a really good place to kind of wrap it up which is around this idea that you don't actually have to share every goal every dream every aspiration with your partner, as long as there's tremendous mutual respect and great communication and mutual support of how each of you chooses to walk through this one precious life. Yeah, and that's, you know, that was something that I had to learn. And I, you know, it's shocking to me as it was that you did not want to go ice climbing in Colorado and ascend frozen waterfalls in sub-freezing, sometimes sub-zero temperatures? Like, how could you not want to do that? I just didn't really understand. <laughs> do you remember the other time that you left us on a ski vacation to go ice climbing? And when we were in Utah and I took a day off with the guide? Yes. Do you remember what you said? And the kids were little, right? So ski vacations with little kids are challenging. What did I say? You said, I said, are you really going to take a day and leave me with the kids and go ice climbing? And you said. <laughs> what did I say? <laughs> you said, are you really going to deny me my bliss? <laughs> <laughs> hmm. 
surprised you didn't leave me in the dust with your starter husband. <laughs> I used to think that when I went out into nature and left my phone and earbuds behind and walked in silence, letting my mind go wherever it wanted, that I was doing a walking meditation. And then I met Yael Shai, and she taught me that there's so much more to a walking meditation. It was so incredible and insightful and expanded my world in such a way that I went to Yael and I said, will you work with us to create a program, 30 days, 30 walks, that could help introduce other people to the power of a walking meditation. Can we dismantle the idea that in order to meditate, you have to sit in a dimly lit room on a cushion? Can we create a meditation program for people who love to move? And so we did Meet the Joyful Wanderer 30-Day Walking Meditation app, which is available in the Apple Store, and the Google Play Store right now.